Welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I interview Heidi Brionis. She is a writer, social media personality, and politician. On the show, we discuss politics, philosophy, and the 2024 election. I hope you enjoy the show. Solidarity forever. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So what's Good going on here. in uh, Portland, Oregon? I'm down here in Texas, and we're in a freeze. It's close to the to uh, all-time low down here in South Texas, where I'm at right now. I think it's like 20-some degrees. Oh, man, that sounds warm because it's like 15 degrees right now, and oh. it's uh, we have the most people without power other than Texas, actually. Um, oh, wow. No, no, actually, no more than Texas. I'm, I'm sorry, I misspoke. We actually have more people missing power currently and still um so i think it was a 50,000 last time i checked are without power um due to the um storm the ice storm basically we have all these trees and the trees fall down and break the the power cord so a lot of people have been without power the last 4 or 5 days now so you guys get much snow up there i've never been to portland i've always wanted to visit it looks beautiful yeah i mean it does snow at least once or twice um during the winter and you can always go up to the mountains there's three like pretty large mountains around here mount hood mount rainier um and mount st helens so you can go up to any mountains and you know mount hood is like snowboarding and that type of thing so you can definitely get a little bit of snow here are you a snowboarder I'm not. I've only been a few times, and it's uh, it's too crazy for me. Uh, I can't handle it. I just fall on my butt over and over, and then I'm like, this is not fun. And then I go to the lodge and just get a drink, and I'm like, this is fun. That's and that's best. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the lo- that's the best part. You gotta go down. Yeah. You gotta you gotta do a couple of runs, right? But chilling at the lodge, I don't think there's anything better than that. It's definitely a good time. Yeah, yeah, that's more more my speed. Yeah. So, yeah, you're a social media personality. It seems like our cross of past on X social or Twitter. Uh, what makes you, you know, got a pretty decent following, pretty big following? What, uh, what kind of, you know, what kind of things do you talk about? What kind of things do you are you most interested in? I saw some recent tweets as I was preparing for uh, our show tonight. You've been following the Republican primary, so are you pretty into politics, or you know, kind of what's your what's your niche on uh, social media, and how do you have such a big following? Yeah, look, I mean, the account was started when I ran for office in 2020. I ran for Congress um, in Oregon's first district, and I started the account because of that. I had another account at the time 
Um, it was just like for fun. And then, you know, somebody's like, well, maybe you should get your, your name and get verified yeah. since you're running for office. I was like, okay. So I basically got my name and then I, you know, had a bunch of my supporters kind of follow me. And that was how I grew it. Like to be, you know, just like a decent account at first and got, got the blue check and that really helped quite a bit before you could buy them. Um, yeah. so I had that. And then, uh, you know, it just sort of morphed from my campaign account into my just personal account since it was just my name. I was like, well, it's easy to just move it into being my own personal account. And I talk about pretty much everything. I mean, for a while I talked about, you know, my policies that I, you know, wanted to um, enact when I was running for office, but I only ran for office for three months. And then after that, I started talking about how, you know, I didn't think Biden was the right choice. And, you know, that kind of got me a lot of heat um, from um, my Democratic friends at the time. And then I talked about, you know, I didn't like the COVID stuff that was going on. And that got me even more heat. And then I, yeah, my accounts kind of transformed and I actually like uh, deactivated it for, I don't know, six months or something. Um, and then came back to it and rebuilt it. Um, but now, you know, it's really a mix of me talking about whatever is going on currently politically that I think is important and interesting from my perspective. And sometimes I talk about women's rights stuff, like, you know, the whole trans rights activism movement, um, you know, and being on the, the other side of that, trying to stand up for women. And, you know, and then I also talk about lesbian specific issues to like go off of that. Um, and then the rest of the time I just mess around and have a lot of fun. And that's probably the, the best part of it is just like making jokes, making memes, reacting to, all the silliness that goes on in the world and on X and, uh, you know, just having fun with it. And I think that's, that's like the main thing that makes people like following me is it's just like, I try to keep it different. I don't have like one little niche that I'm just hitting like every single second of every day, which can be really tiresome. It's like, it's really just, you get to see a little bit of my personal life and I'll, I'll be raw, I'll be honest and like authentic about how I feel. And then I'll just like make ridiculous jokes and then I'll, then I'll be really serious. You know, and then I'll like break something down from my perspective politically and what my perspective is. So, you know, I have a degree in politics, have a bachelor's in politics, um, and I have a master's in teaching English or linguistics. Uh, so I have, you know, a diverse background. I've lived in multiple countries um, teaching English and doing other things. And I've had so many different jobs, everything from, you know, being a uh, legislative aide to being a salesperson to being a professor to driving for Lyft and Uber and for working in a factory. Uh, you know, I've done so many different things. So I have a wide variety of things that I can talk about. And I think, you know, people like my style. They like the way that I present uh, my opinions, and my perspectives, and I try to make it funny. And yeah, it's just great. I love it. I love the platform. Yeah, I like X, uh, whatever, Twitter the best. Uh, Definitely the I best one. Prefer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have some other accounts, but yeah, I don't I don't uh, pay as, as much attention to that as uh, Twitter, just because my following is a little bit bigger there on Twitter than anywhere else. Right. What I struggle with is because um, I talk about like you know foreign policy, genocide. Uh, you know, <laughs> not as uh, fun, right? That's right. Not, yeah. Like, not funny, right? Yeah. It's not yeah, funny I mean, at all. I mean, yeah. yeah I kind of got really deep into a political dive here, um, probably like mostly during COVID. Uh, I kind of just made this, I actually did some rapping. This is my second MC squared. I just kind of did some rapping. I'm like, I'm just gonna make up a, a jokey, you know, kind of fun Twitter handle, did some nice. rapping and commented on politics, did some jokes and did some sports stuff. And, and, uh, I don't know. I just kind of went deep dive on the political stuff. And then I kind of found myself with the jokes and whatnot, like 
can people really take me seriously? You know, if I'm rapping and making jokes and off-color memes and whatnot, and then also talking about, you know, whatever, pro-choice or, you know, women's rights or, um, you know, uh, open borders or, um, you know, genocide, nuclear war, you know? So I think I've kind of, I definitely like comedy and I like to be, I don't like to take myself too seriously, especially on social media, but I've also kind of thought, like, if I'm going to actually, you know, if I'm going to have, like, a, if people are going to take me seriously and I'm going to comment on these, you know, maybe existential issues, uh, you know, maybe maybe I should lay off some of the off-color commentary and, you know, off the jokes and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I kind of turned a little bit. And then this, this podcast focuses on, um, you know, mainly politics, philosophy, science. So, you know, kind of heady issues. And I like to talk about art a little bit, too, the philosophy of art and writing. But do you ever, you know, kind of struggle with that? Like, you know, maybe wondering if people, people are going to take you seriously if you're doing, like, more comedy, jokes, that sort of thing. Do you ever wrestle with those? Topics like, you know, do I want to be serious and, uh, you know, focus on people, you know, taking my opinion and you know, maybe even being a public intellectual, you know, with a, with a, yeah. with a following versus just yeah. fun. And this is just, you know, I'm just uh, letting off some steam and whatnot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd like to do a mix of both, because if you think about the major truth tellers for our history, a lot of them have been. You know, you can go all the way back to court jesters, you know, to today's comedians. And if you go and see like a Cat Williams, Norm Macdonald, Dave Chappelle, like, come on. I mean, yeah, rest in peace. I mean, but like all of these people speak more truth than anybody else. And they can talk about political issues and social issues, you know, and really speak their truth in a way that like people resonate with so much. And I think that humor is the way to do that. I think if you can make it real and make people kind of laugh, but then also like cry a little bit too, like, I think that that's, that's the point where then you can change minds and you can really get people like involved in something. Because if you're, you know, if you just go and everybody's all serious all the time, like people are exhausted, you know, like we, we live in a time where people are depressed already. People are already sad. People are already like, feeling it all every second but if they go and they know like oh but if i go on heidi's page like i know she's gonna make some fucking really funny jokes and then she's gonna drop some serious shit you know and then i'm gonna be like i feel a little bit better because like you know somebody like relates to me and like they know what i'm going through but like also like we had a good time and like we laughed and i feel like you know it's okay like it's actually gonna be all right so like that's kind of where I've landed on that. It's like, I, you know, my account started again as a campaign account. I wasn't making jokes or doing memes or anything. I was just talking about policies and trying to get people to donate. Um, but then it morphed into like, you know what, that's not what people want. Like I just really talked to people and people were dying to like feel some levity, um, in, in these types of situations. And I just noticed like my, my comedy style was landing. Cause I was just so dry and like, you know, just like satirical. And it's like, that's kind of what people need. So, I think, uh, yeah, I think don't overthink it too much. I think have fun with it because people want to have fun while they're like learning something or while they're, you know, connecting with somebody else or while they're doing something serious or, you know, I think it's it's a theme throughout every single movement is if it's not fun, people ditch out, right? They leave at some point. They're like, it's not fun anymore. Like I'm yeah. out, you know, yeah. but if you're having fun, like you could keep it going forever. You know, it's like, that's just how it is. So yeah, I think I think using um, comedy as a tool to connect people, I think that that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, you did mention linguistics. Um, one of my favorite philosophers 
is Noam Chomsky. I think they call him the father of modern linguistics. I got in, yep. into him more with his background in philosophy yep. and more specifically political philosophy. So I've got, right. I don't know, 50 of his books here down to the left right now. I'm looking yeah. at him. Um, but uh, he, he's kind of a, I think I've read one of the descriptions of him. Uh, and they always introduce him as like, um, you know, the most quoted intellectual alive, <laughs> most important intellectual alive. And then in the next paragraph, something along the lines of like the stone cold linguist, you know, he's, he's not, doesn't yeah. use much humor. And uh, yeah, I, I've right. kind of looked up to him a little bit because he does talk about such important issues. I think people do take him so seriously. And I think ultimately, I guess what I'm trying to use my platform is to spread awareness, to educate people, um, to talk about, you know, the victims, uh, maybe like right now in Gaza, that's a cause I take very seriously. So when you're talking about babies getting blown up, I just retweeted one earlier today, uh, maybe an eight-year-old with his arm blown off, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I kind of feel uh, a little bit guilty, you know, kind of mixing in some some humor. So I kind of, I'm a, I love comedy. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit maybe about the recent Chappelle um, special that I saw that I didn't, I wasn't that into. The one, two, the two specials ago I thought was great. I did see Norm MacDonald live. It's one of my most favorite comedians of all time, just completely dry, yeah. completely satire. I think the world, you know, how absurd it is, um, is kind of uh, killing the art of satire because, you know, I really like The Onion and I retweet some of their stuff all the time. But honestly, like sometimes you read an Onion article and you're like, is this serious? Like, is this, is this really happened? Because, I mean, it just seems like the world is just so absurd anymore. Uh, but well, yeah, what do you think about Chomsky? Do you have a background a little bit in linguistics? Have you read any mm -hmm. of his stuff, his political stuff, his linguistics stuff? What do you think of his oh, yeah. philosophies? I mean, I, you know, was like a leftist activist in college and I got a degree in politics at UC Santa Cruz. So I've definitely read Chomsky um, as, you know, as his political work first before I, you know, read any of his linguistic uh, work. And then I was very shocked to find out that, yeah, he's actually a complete conservative in linguistics. Like he's like, he's completely strict as hell like with his linguistic theory like you don't budge on that like it's like this is how it is traditionally yeah he hasn't this i've is... read a lot of his work he hasn't yeah. really budged much in his scientific career That's no like he's very much known as a conservative hard ass in the linguistic world and then he's also known for he won't make a speech on linguistics at anywhere any college unless he can also do a political one um, so it's like, it's very, it's very interesting to like see both sides of him. Cause they're completely different. Like his linguistic side is so strict and so conservative in a way, um, you know, just in that world. So, um, pretty and interesting. He actually, I, I, I read him, uh, I've heard all kinds of his speeches, but they asked him like, do you see a connection between your scientific work and your political philosophy? And he says, no. And then he also says, uh, you know, if anything, it's been negative because my work in science and linguistics has taken away from my abilities to kind of, you know, spread my political philosophy and activism. Uh, but he also mentioned that, uh, you know, when you're studying politics in the social sciences, you know, the soft sciences, the humanities, if you will, um, having a background in hard science is, uh, you know, very beneficial because you kind of learn what an argument is, you know, how to methodically dissect an issue and to kind of analyze it and that sort of thing. So I, I really, I really like a lot of what he has to say, but uh, you know, kind of going back to it, science, science and, and politics, he really doesn't see any connection whatsoever. The same with uh, I think politics and morality. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I, I could see what he's saying there. I think that, 
there's a creativity to things like politics um, and like a intuition. And, you know, there's all these things like, oh, you know, so-and-so is just a natural, you know, a natural at politics, or they're just so charismatic, or they do this. And that, that's really hard to quantify, right? Some things are qualitative. Like, it's like, how do people feel about it? Like, well, why did why did everybody vote a certain way? Okay, you can try to like break it down with data, but like at the end of the day, they felt like it, you know? And like, and, like yeah. and if you can't get to that feeling of why they felt that way, then like, it doesn't matter what the polls say, what the focus groups say, what the media says, what anybody says. It's like, why did people feel that way? And that's not easy to, um, you know, really, really break down with, in the scientific way every time. I mean, you could try, but my degree was in politics and not in political science. So it was very much like philosophy okay. um, and less like, you know, the, the, the science of how government works and stuff. We didn't, we, we brushed on that, but that was not important to us. It was yeah. more like how to create arguments and how to debate and how to, you know, understand, um, you know, Hobbes, Locke and Rousseau and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I like I like Rousseau. So I'm an anarchist. My political philosophy is anarchism, very similar to um, Chomsky. Uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, that's one of my favorite, kind of one of the early um, maybe anarchists. Um, and I've read a lot of the kind of the classic political philosophy. I do like Hobbes. Descartes was one of my favorite. Aunt. Uh, we can get into that a little bit, I think, too. Um, but yeah, I want to I want to I guess go to comedy before we before we switch gears and get into the politics um, I saw, so I, I really like Chappelle, uh, some of his, I think some of his comedy is the best stuff out there, especially some of his old stuff. Uh, I like the special, I don't know, maybe two, three years ago during the COVID pandemic and whatnot. Uh, I just watched the most recent one where I, I think comedy and kind of my politics is I'm working class politics. I'm a leftist. Uh, I, I kind of like to, you know, root for the underdog. I kind of side with the underdog. I uh, oppose, you know, and call out um, concentrated wealth and power, certainly unjust, you know, concentrations of wealth and power, inequality, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I think comedy, I like to, you know, pick on the, the bully or whatever, that sort of stuff. Uh, the, the most recent Chappelle, which I didn't find funny and actually turned off after like 10 minutes. So I'm not really that, I'm not that, that sensitive. I just didn't really find it funny. I wasn't entertained. I'm, I don't really get sensitive too much. Certainly don't let, I try not to let politics get to me. I just, you know, kind of ignore it if it's something I don't agree with. Because I actually do believe in free speech. I'm a free speech absolutist, unlike Elon. I actually mean it. You know, I think in, unless it's inciting violence, um, I think free speech, we should be able to say whatever we want. So I, I pretty much draw the line at inciting violence. Um, but outside of that, you know, I don't want to give the state, you know, the right to historical truth. You know, so if you go against what the state says in terms of like, you know, truth, you're essentially giving the state the right to, you know, call out and, and criminalize what you say. And I, I don't think that that's right outside of, you know, maybe, again, directly inciting violence. So I, I do believe that uh, free speech, if you're in favor of it, that means that you uh, also believe that your opponents and your biggest, you know, enemies or whatever, the people that you disagree with, um, you believe that those people have the same rights to free speech, not just people that you agree with. But I want to go back to, to Chappelle. I thought he was kind of punching down a little bit. You know, he was, he, I think it was uh, making jokes about trans people, which, you know, I, I just think I was off color. Well, I wasn't offended necessarily, but I just didn't find it funny. Um, you know, maybe, maybe with the, you know, kind of the, um, state that we are in, you know, with a lot of, uh, I think cultural war stuff going on and identity politics and whatnot. I'm not much of a fan of it either. I never talk about it on my podcast. I'm more than into the working class politics and being opposed to corporations and hierarchies and, you know, um, vehicles of 
domination, you know, within the society, like, you know, a fraction of the 1% owns the majority of the wealth of the population, maybe more than, um, you know, three or four billion of us combined. I think that's messed up. But again, back to Chappelle and the comedy. He also, I think, was making fun of handicapped people, people that, uh, you know, can't walk and that sort of thing. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't find this very tasteful. I don't find this very funny. This is not some of his best work. So I don't know. I, I, I just just didn't appeal to me. What say you? I, I really do respect uh, Chappelle's comedy. I don't know if you saw the most recent special on Netflix. Um, but yeah, what do you think about, you know, punching up versus punching down? And what about, you know, maybe some people might cancel you or find you offensive, which I kind of find is a violation of free speech. Like, you know, we should allow people to say things, even if you don't agree with them, but you don't necessarily have to like it. You know what I mean? So what say you about my ramblings about the Chappelle uh, punching up, punching down, and maybe sensitivity, free speech, all those issues? How do they, what do you feel about them? Yeah, I mean, I think that comedians should push boundaries and make some people feel uncomfortable. I think that that's part of comedy, actually, and that they, they're not going to appeal to everybody. And so I don't personally see any issue with punching down. Like, I mean, it's like it can be funny either way. I mean, you can punch up, you know, at the elites. You can punch down if you want. I mean, it's. I think that, you know his recent special was kind of playing off of his other special. That's why there were like the trans jokes. And so it was very like inside joke kind of humor, which may not work for everybody. If you're not like, you know, you're like, okay, I'm like, I just watched the other one. Let me watch this one. Cause he did one on you know, the whole trans joke. And then, you know, it, it was pretty funny. It was like a long build up, like he does. And he did that whole thing. And it, it had like a meaning because he came out, you know, and said some things and everybody wanted to cancel him over it. And it was just, so then, you know, the second time he wanted to bring that back up to kind of just loop it in because this special to me that he just did was for his like hardcore fans. It wasn't for like, you know, just anybody. It was just meant to be like, you're so hardcore that like you are obsessed with me and whatever I say. And like, you know, to me, it felt almost like, kind of like he's winding down his career like he's probably not gonna do this that much more and so he's kind of just doing one for like himself is what he said even at the beginning even said like you know um he said like actually this is like we kind of said the opposite actually kind of was like this is like for you guys like this is like you know everything is like about you and like he was kind of letting go of like the first time that he was at that that uh venue is that he did it for himself because he was like coming up I, and then, I, don't, so, I don't know if you like i feel like he doesn't care if he gets canceled or he doesn't mind the criticism i think he's facing his whole career so i think he's just kind of like i don't give a fuck i'm gonna say whatever to whoever and well, i think any funny, comic you know? yeah yeah i think any comic should be able to do that and never give a fuck because like if people don't like it just shut it off like if you think it's racist you think it's whatever okay well some people like it so tough shit you know and like that's kind of like his attitude it should be his attitude because you can't cancel a comedian for making a joke it's just stupid like it's like okay they're they're making a joke it's like they're a comedian that's literally their job and if you didn't like it well tough shit just turn it off or like get over it like as long as you're not you know as long as you're an adult like you should be able to handle it and i don't think he said anything wrong some of the things might have been off color but i appreciate off color humor because i like shock value humor i like being like oh god like even if i don't really love it like it's like i like that feeling because that's where i go to find that is comedy like i can't get that anywhere else really like you don't get that at your stupid corporate job or you don't get that like you know anywhere really you got to go to comedians to like get that kind of humor so i, I like it i remember uh norm he's, he's one of my all-time favorites he did a nice little i think quote on history he says uh 
You know, I look, I'm looking here at this history book, and it said the good guys were all, always won no matter what. What are the odds? You know, something like that. So basically yeah. a little commentary on history and, you know, I think the, the winning, the winners of war, you know, that typically write history uh, oh, but, yeah. you know, in an eloquent way that Norm did it. He also had one about the <laughs> there's three guys on the moon, but only two got the walk on the moon. And uh, the third guy is just sitting in the uh, little space capsule like, you you guys brought golf clubs? You, know, you brought a dune buggy? And, you know, he's like, this is bullshit. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm not even allowed to take a step on the moon. You guys are riding around in a dune buggy. And then they, they get back in and he's like, how was it? And they're like, eh, it was all right if you like that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> so I'm trying not to make him feel bad, you know. But um, my favorite one, it's so off-color. He's doing a joke about uh, Edward Fish, who's a uh, who's a murderer, a serial killer, and I think even a cannibal. He would eat he would eat his victims, and you got YouTube it if you're if you're curious. But <laughs> he did a he did a bit on a serial killing cannibal, and it was one of the funniest ones. I, I I think I was crying laughing the first time I saw it. So I definitely I'm not yeah I'm not very sensitive. I do like off-color stuff. Uh, and I do want to comment on Chappelle because I, I love his, you know, his first two, whatever, his sketch comedy show. I, I still watch that stuff. Um, but he did an awesome job, I thought, when the whole country was kind of, this is before the Israel-Gaza stuff. So there's a whole lot of anti-Semitism stuff, though, kind of going on. And then the Kanye stuff. And I thought he did an amazing job of walking around, you know, the elephant in the room, the anti-Semitism, while also making jokes about Kanye and, you know, uh, getting canceled and even said something about Kyrie Irving. So I think he can do a really awesome job and, uh, you know, and has done so. I just didn't find the most recent um, yeah. most recent special that great, but I'm sure some people liked it and I'm sure. Fair, you know, yeah. It wasn't yeah. the best one. I mean, I think everybody would agree that was not the best Dave Chappelle thing, but it almost, that's why I say it felt like one of his last ones. It felt like he's kind of winding down and he wanted to like just kind of close the loop almost. That's sort of yeah. what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah, so let's um let's get into um your we got like five minutes or so we'll take a little break but let's get into um how how did you get into um, politics what office did you run for I guess it was a short lived campaign um are you gonna maybe throw your hat back in the ring again at some point in the future or what are you thinking Yeah, I mean I'm not sure about throwing my hat back in yet um we'll see but yeah I I. Uh, ran for Congress, so House of Representatives um, in Oregon's first district in 2020. And I did that because I was part of the Andrew Yang campaign at the time. I was a volunteer and got really active in that. And when he dropped out, there was like a lot of energy still um, that kind of needed to go somewhere. And a lot of people were, you know, kind of like encouraged um, to run for Congress at that time. And I decided to, um, I did not know, you know, this was February, 2020. So I didn't know that it was going to be a pandemic and I wasn't going to be able to campaign, um, you know, in a normal fashion. So I had to uh, quickly adjust and learn how to use the internet. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of smart um, people on my team that helped me uh, get some attention online um, and was able to, come in second. I, I ran, I oh, primaried wow. an incumbent. So, I mean, I ran against an incumbent. It was very, very strong, um, district. So it wasn't, wasn't really going to happen. I mean, it would have been insanely long shot. So I had, you know, pretty much almost no choice or no chance rather of winning, but, um, I did come in second and I ran against two other challengers that had been running for like a year. And, uh, you know, I only got to run for three months during COVID. So I was like, well, this is pretty cool. Um, pretty exciting, but, um, 
you know, it's not, it's, I don't know, it's very exciting. It's very thrilling to run for office and it's, it's fun. And it's a lot of it I like, but, and then there's also this other side I really, really hate, or there's at least one other side I hate. There's probably like 10 sides I hate, but um, I would say that as far as doing it in the future, I am not sure right now. Like for me, it's all about timing. Like for things like running for office, it was the right time and the right place. And I had the right momentum and the right energy and I had a lot of support behind me, but I don't really have that anymore. Like, it's like, it's not like I can, you know, I'm not part of like a specific movement. Like that was like the Yang gang at the time. Like I'm not really in any of that currently. I did, I am registered as a libertarian currently. I left the democratic party and I was nothing for a while. And then I decided to register as a libertarian just to get involved with some kind of aspect of, um, you know, a party that was non-authoritarian. Um, which is hard to find these days. So that's what, what direction I went. Uh, but I don't have any plans currently. If I did run for something, it would be much more local and I would have to feel like I could really win, like, um, you know, if whether it's city council or state representative or something like that, I would have to feel like I had the right amount of money, time, support, all of that. It's just so tiring and like exhausting to run for office. And I totally get why people don't. And then also in Portland, like, it's pretty dangerous to run for office because you have um, Antifa who will, you know, come after you. Um, and you know, they car bombed um, the city commissioner or like lit, lit a car on fire in front of his house. I guess his parents car um, recently. And this stuff happens all the time. I mean, like the mayor's been had people come after him. So um, not really something that I want to get my family involved in if it's not like a sure thing and I'm going to be able to win and also make change. All right, let's let's get into the the Yang Gang. Are you, so you you were in the Yang Gang. Are you still in the Yang Gang? And um, there's no you know, Yang what? Gang anymore. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that's not a thing anymore. That's, what was his movement all about? What was his issues? What 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 drew you to Andrew Yang? Yeah, I mean, it was mostly the UBI stuff because oh, yeah. I mean, it was so different to have you know like a candidate talk about UBI um, as a presidential you know, candidate talking about that as a policy was very interesting to me and the me way that he framed it. Um, the freedom well dividend, done. right? He called it the yeah, freedom, the freedom dividend. dividend. Uh, universal basic income, basically, you know, the government pays you, I don't know, whatever amount, a thousand bucks a month. I think that was the, it was a thousand bucks plan. a month. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it was a thousand bucks a month. Um, and yeah, I, I just thought it was really interesting that he was running that campaign. And then I kind of just got involved um, casually at first. And I saw like, well, this guy's got like a lot of energy behind him, actually. And a lot of really smart people um, are supporting him. And it was really fun. It was just like, usually when you get involved with the campaign, it's like not that fun, really. Like, it's kind of just like a lot of work and just a lot of drama. But it was like really just a lot of smart people. Like, and, you know, they're they're having a lot of fun at first, at least, you know, and it was just it was exciting to be involved in just a different type of campaign. And I liked that he was younger. I liked that he had some energy, you know, he had just really cool things to say and it was funny and he was just a dork and it was, it was nice to be involved. So, uh, um, I don't know. Issues too. It wasn't like, um, I think he had mentioned like, you know, it wasn't about like more of the, more of the things with him were, he was like, Oh, I didn't wear a tie and people made a big deal about that. Or, you know, what color sports coat or, 
whatever, just silly stuff, stuff, frivolous stuff, stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, and I think he did a really good job of making it about the issues. I think his number one issue was the UBI and maybe automation. And I think that's a big problem still in the United States. It's getting worse. Um, but yeah, I, I was, in, I, I like some of the stuff he stood for. Uh, I'm not a big fan of, I think, I don't know. There's some of the stuff um, when he was running for mayor, I think he was talking about some authoritarian stuff and maybe, um, you know, rollbacks on free speech or surveillance, that sort of stuff. So, you know, the corporate yeah, I certainly don't is, agree yeah. with him on every issue. And I didn't at that time either. And I mean, I've changed too in yeah. the process. So I'm not even, yeah. I don't know if I would support him if he ran at this time. But yeah. at that very time, it was just, you know, it's a different time. It was pre-COVID. Oh, yeah. It's just such a different moment in time, like 2018, 2019. It was yeah. just so much different than now. So I probably wouldn't support him today, but he's a really nice guy. And he put me into like his book and he endorsed my campaign when I ran. And, you know, I just think he's he's a pretty cool dude. I, I don't necessarily agree with everything. And I've told him, I don't really know if like the forward party is the way to do it, but he's, he's doing that thing. And, you know, it started his own party and whatever. I mean, he, I think that he's deep down, he's a good guy. I think that he's a bit misguided on certain things and he might've gotten caught up um, in the political world a bit and, you know, just gotten maybe in with some, some interesting influences that I wouldn't necessarily get involved with, but overall um, it was a great, it was a great time. And I, I never would, you know, have the following I have now if that, if I didn't, do what I did then if I didn't like get involved with that group and then use that to like run for office and then you know kind of just it just developed from there and so I wasn't planning on it but it developed really really nicely and it's like it's cool it's cool to like have a platform now to like have a, a political uh, voice in some aspect is really nice I think I got into politics around the time of Occupy and I was kind of um, upset you know Obama comes into this White House and it seemed like this big populist movement. He's going to be this progressive. He's going to get stuff done. And it turns out he was actually just a, you know, a, a wolf's, wolf in sheep's clothing. He was, you know, he was essentially a, a shill of Wall Street. Yeah. Um, big moneyed interests, you know, preferred him over McCain. Um, he was a completely corporate sellout. Uh, he got next to nothing done. There's a lot of people yeah. you know, apologizing, but I think he had... Um, a Democratic Congress at one one of the terms, um, he would refuse to, um, you know, talk about like Medicare for all or free college or loan forgiveness or any of those things that are kind of hot button issues. Now, I kind of, um, you know, I think at one point maybe became a Bernie bro. Uh, I still think that in terms of, you know, politicians right now in the mainstream that are in the machine, you know, I think identify with Bernie and Bernie's politics more than anybody else. Uh, I can consider myself a socialist. I consider myself maybe a libertarian socialist or a socialist anarchist. I, I kind of want minimal government. I'd like democratic organization of local communities as well as the workplace. So I'm an anarcho-syndicalist, I guess, if you want to go political philosophy stuff. Um, but, you know, Bernie's policies appeal to me the most out of anyone that I've, you know, kind of followed, at least in the, in the mainstream within the, the, the machine, the Washington machine, uh, you know, the corporate duopoly and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I, you said something about libertarian. I definitely consider myself a libertarian, but what I'd like to do is, you know, maybe focus on social policies like education, health care, public transportation, high-speed rail, uh, environmentally conscious programs, uh, de decriminalization, and the war on drugs, 
uh, ab abolish private prisons, defund the police, maybe even abolish the police. I'm a far leftist, make no mistake. So um, what say you? I mean, I'm definitely going way farther than Bernie would. Um, but, you know, I think Bernie kind of got me, I think maybe before I considered myself more of an independent, you know, and, uh, you know, then, then over time, I think I eventually said, you know, uh, enough of the Democratic Party, and uh, at some point I said, I'm an outright socialist, you know, which is a bad word, especially here in America. I think there's a lot of red scare stuff, and I think, unfortunately, people associate basic human rights with socialism or communism, so I think that's a bad thing. But, uh, you know, what say you about uh, maybe your political uh, compass, maybe how your political views have changed? You mentioned they have changed. All of our, we're constantly changing as people, you know, over the over the years of our lives, if we weren't changing, you know, that would be a problem. And also you had mentioned about Andrew Yang and there's some stuff that you disagreed with. I think that's a great thing. Like I, I certainly don't want authoritarianism. Like there's only one way uh, to do things and everyone has to, you know, be a hundred percent, you know, uh, voting for or against an issue, you know, and, and complete, uh, you know, like a hundred percent, you know, just Falling, like the Republican parties are, you know, essentially no on most issues. They all vote together. There's almost no one, you know, going against the line uh, or the party line and that sort of thing. So I think that's a bad thing. I think having, you know, differences and opinions is a good thing. That's what it's like to live, you know, in, in a community and a democracy uh, and that kind of stuff. So I have no problem. Like, I, I hope, I hope, you know, you don't agree with everyone on everything. And I, that's, I guess maybe my favorite influence is Chomsky. And I try to find areas like, you know, I think he was a little bit more authoritarian on the, the COVID stuff. I, I did not, uh, you know, I was not in favor of like forced mandates. So that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, I, I, what I want to do is like eliminate the repressive elements of the state. When I say my version of libertarianism, a socialist libertarian. So again, socialist policies like education, healthcare, um, you know, maybe safety nets, um, like, you know, social security, Medicare, things for the elderly, things for the vulnerable. And then again, maybe get rid of or demobilize, um, the military, uh, defund or even abolish the police. I mean, I think it should be left up to the local communities, whether they want police or not, and certainly militarized police. Um, but yeah, definitely defund and, uh, scale back that military budget, uh, get rid of private prisons, maybe get rid of prisons altogether. Those are kind of the issues I kind of struggle with. Uh, but what say you? What about your political compass and maybe about the Bernie the Bernie movement? Do you consider yourself a socialist, a libertarian, a socialist libertarian, a leftist? What's your kind of political label? Definitely not a leftist. I was a leftist in college, but I'm um, not a socialist either. I flirted with socialism um, in college as well, but I wouldn't say I was ever really a socialist, maybe a progressive um, leftist. But um, that is not where I land now. I, I'm uh, I'm a libertarian, but I'm, um, it's called a minarchist. Um, so I believe in a small amount of government, the smallest amount of government possible just to, you know, enforce basic, basic, um, private property laws. So, you know, I believe in private property, so I can't be a socialist. Um, and I don't like the government taking my money for anything because they suck at everything they do ever. So I'm against that, but I do agree with you. I'd be happy to, um, you know, minimize the police to almost nothing or possibly abolish them, um, get rid of private prisons. I'm com completely anti-war, always have been. Um, you know, I think it's hideous just in every single way and it's unnecessary and it only, you know, it only props up um, 
a certain a certain amount of people, a certain group of people that want to make a ton of profit. Um, and we all know that. But so I would say that economically, I've definitely become uh, more conservative in that aspect. I don't want to be taxed. I don't want welfare programs and those types of things. I don't want, um, yeah, I don't want the government in control of anything. I think that people um, in communities uh, you know, can decide what it is that they want, what it is that they need, and they can pull together resources and, you know, have people take care of things privately. So I don't think the government is good at what they do. I think they spend way too much and it's, it's gross because it's all of our money, all the money that we work hard for. Um, so I'd love to see more of that money back in people's pockets. The, I don't really support UBI anymore unless it's like just a complete, um, so yeah, it sounds like you're an economic conservative now. Correct. I mean, I'd say moderate. I wouldn't say like completely, completely, because I do think you know we need to spend a little bit on maybe certain things, like just you know basic, uh, basic. I think we need like some kind of basic military that protects the country. I don't think that we should be waging any wars, but I do think we need to protect ourselves. So I do think that we need we need that. We maybe need like some police force just to like enforce certain aspects of the law, but, you know, I don't think that we need, you know, what we have currently. So, um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say, you know, I definitely moved to the right economically, but I've always been, you know, a libertarian as far as do, you know, people should be able to do what they want and drugs should be decriminalized. Um, you know, there should be definitely, and I'm definitely not a social conservative of any aspect. So yeah, I pretty much fall with the libertarians being, um, socially, very liberal, very, um, you know, libertarian in that aspect. But economically, I don't trust the government just at all anymore. After really after COVID, it really just became like crystal clear that I just didn't trust the left um, to be in power um, because they immediately flipped on working people, people that had jobs, people that you know, just wanted to work, nurses, um, teachers, all these people that were forced to get a vaccine that they didn't agree with. And that was just supposed to be okay. And everybody just went along with it. And everybody wore the masks and everybody got the shots. And I was just like, what are you guys doing? You know, like, I just didn't understand it. And, you know, the right has become more populist. I mean, and it's just more appealing to me in that aspect. And then there's also the whole um, trans issue, which I just don't agree with. And I think it hurts women and lesbians specifically. So I think that, you know, as somebody that fought for gay rights and fought for us to get to where we are, to where I can be married to a woman, I find it extremely offensive for any man to think he can transition to a woman and then, you know, call himself a lesbian and, and, and enter my spaces. And, you know, I just think that that went way too far. So I couldn't hang out with the left anymore because I won't play the pronoun game. Um, and I won't, I won't, I just won't play those games with them. So I'm just over them because I know exactly who they are, what they're doing. And I'm just over it. I mean, I'm in my forties now. I just don't really have time for bullshit. So <laughs> like, and I, and I make money now. So it's like yeah. before when I didn't make money, it was kind of like fine for there to be taxes. But now that I make money, I'm like, well, what the fuck? It's like impossible to like get ahead. Like it's impossible yeah. to like start a business because I have to pay all these government fees before I can even freaking start a business. Yeah. 
you know, it's impossible for me to make any profit. Like I had to shut down a business last year. I mean, had to do it a few times in my life because it's mainly just like taxes and fees and bullshit, you know, that I'm like, I, I can't even keep up with this. Um, this bureaucracy. I just hate red tape and bureaucracy, which, yeah, which a lot of leftists do too. So like, I, there's times where I agree with the left. Like I'm, you know, I definitely don't think they should be bombing Gaza. Like I'm totally against that, you know, and I'm anti-war as hell. Um, you know, and I, you know, I don't want elitists to be running shit, but then there's other times where I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to go that far though. Like, I don't want like little kids to be transing themselves either. Like, I don't want, I don't like seeing like, you know, just nudity, like in front of little kids and stuff like that. So then I, you know, I get a little bit more social conservative once in a while too. It's, it's, it's weird. I just feel like I'm just myself going on a journey and like, all I know is that I hate authoritarianism. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not into the identity politics. I'm into working class politics. When I say socialism, right. uh, I have had actually some Marxists on. I'm not a Marxist. I'm an anarchist. I, I wouldn't say like I'm an Einsteinian. I do like Einstein. That's my namesake, MC squared. But I wouldn't say like my physics philosophy is an Einsteinian. You know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> as it relates to like socialist philosophy or you know, politics, I wouldn't say I'm a Marxist either. I think Marx said some good stuff. I'm reading some of his critiques on capitalism. I'm an anti-capitalist, certainly, uh, but I wouldn't consider myself a Marxist. But what I don't do is I don't get into identity politics. I do consider myself a far leftist, a socialist, um, an ally for the trans people, although, you know, it's not an important issue to me. Like, I, I think that they should be protected. I think that they should have rights. Uh, and as it relates to like gender, whatever surgeries or something like that, I, again, it's not a very important issue to me. I know it is for some people, um, but I would say, you know, let, let the medical community figure that out. And maybe you can do it when you're an adult. I don't know about, uh, you know, teenagers making life changing, um, you know, decisions, but it's really not my issue. So I, I'm in favor of democracy. So whatever the people vote on majority rules, that's what I'm going to go with. But, uh, I think the identity politics, I think, um, some of the culture war stuff. I think what that is is divide and conquer politics while the class war goes on in the background. You know, like essentially my biggest enemy is corporations. I think that they are unjust. I think they're unjust tyrannies, private tyrannies, unjust hierarchies. They dominate society. Uh, I think they essentially create um, an army of wage slaves. Um, And I think that that is, you know, the reason why, you know, there's so much money in politics because, you know, with Citizens United uh, essentially equating, um, you know, free speech to money, these corporations can just essentially buy elections outright now uh, without going through the charade of, you know, um, you know, having real issues being talked about. It's, I think at this point in time, it's a tra- quadrennial extravaganza, U.S. elections. I, didn't, I really don't see much difference between the two mainstream parties other than, you know, maybe one says they're pro-choice. I don't even know if they mean it. The other side says they're pro-life. Of course, they're not pro-life if they're, you know, in favor of uh, uh, executions, capital punishments, that sort of thing. Uh, and then they also want to stop abortions, yet, you know, they want to cut, um, you know, funding for preschool. They want to cut, you know, there's kids in, in you know, in need and, and, and they're hungry and child poverty is... I think, you know, at or near all time highs, maybe 30 million, you know, kids are hungry or food insecure. So a lot of bad things going on, I think, with both political parties. But I I would say the root of, you know, the problems in our society are the result of these corporations, these these unjust hierarchies. So when I say, you know, I'm a libertarian, I want to get rid of the repressive elements of the state, you know, the the elements of the state that um, can harm us and do injury and, and cause violence. 
Um, but unfortunately, if we scale back the government, that's going to leave decision making, you know, essentially it's going to give free reign to these corporations who are going to dominate our lives even more than they already do. So economically, that's kind of where I, um, you know, well, to be a corporation, though, you have to file that with the government. That's right. So it's actually fascism. So without government, you couldn't have corporations. It's not possible. That's, that's so right. Like, what, I, what I would so, do is yeah. I'm replace these corporations with co-ops, you know, so worker right. own worker control, which is, fine. I which mean, is like what I think socialism is, you know, work. Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty close to being an ANCAP. I mean, in a way, if like, I mean, it's just, you know, you're just uh, on the left side of that issue a bit. But I mean, I, I would say that to be a libertarian means that you understand that the state is corrupt completely that it's just fully, fully corrupt and that you want people to make their own decisions and that you would you would much prefer people to have a co-op or people have things in their own community or people just decide things on their own. Like maybe, you know, you live out on a farm, there's like agorism and stuff. There's like, yeah. okay, like I just want to be able to sell the milk that this freaking cow that I own, you know, produces without having to go through government, you know, and go through all this bullshit to like just sell something that I have, you know, and like not have to, like, I shouldn't have to like have a paper trail for this or like get shut down by the government. The government literally goes and shuts down people that are just selling raw milk. Like who cares? Like that's up to them to do. And that's up to somebody to, to choose to buy it. Right. And so that's like where I've just like, I just like, I just think everything that they do shouldn't be funded. Like it shouldn't be funded. Like we shouldn't be funding it. Um, And, you know, I'd be fine with like government funding, like a little bit of things. But I mean, the problem is once you give them an inch, they take a mile. And the problem is like, it's so corrupt that like people have to like, if you care about working people, working people have to keep working forever to support the taxes that the government needs like to do anything right so it's like working people shouldn't have to work forever right to like support uh, everyone like it it makes no sense like working people should have a choice to be like well hey i need to take a month or two off you know and society shouldn't fall apart if like everybody decides to like do a general strike or something but it would right now but like also nobody can afford to do it so it's like so it's just like it's which like, is why it's like UBI. Yeah. It's, that's why yeah. ubi appealed to me because it, it provides people with freedom they're not just wage slaves you know working yeah ubi paycheck. could be cool like i don't believe in the way that yang had set it up anymore but i think that if you found a way to fund it off of like like for example one way that i think would be okay to fund it would be a luxury tax that's only on like rockets and Love like it. yachts and Let's shit yeah because Elon's gonna buy a rocket shit, you know, like, 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 Jeff Bezos is gonna buy a rocket, like these rich people are gonna buy a yacht, and they don't care if there's like a 15 20% tax on their rocket stuff, they're still gonna buy it, because like, that's just how it is. And if that money went straight into a fund, you know, uh, and became like a UBI type of thing, that would be kind of interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, the funding issue is always a problem, because it's like trillions of dollars. So it's right. like, that's like kind of the issue, but I think if they found a way to fund it, like if AI actually does like increase or, you know, if there's like some way that we can just kind of print our own money or I've seen some people there do is. really, there yeah, is. crypto I'm, I'm and stuff. Dive on the banking system. So, and yeah. that's where I'm libertarian. I want to get rid of the federal reserve. I want to get rid of the oh, yeah, banks. and the fed and the fed. And the IMF. Sure. Yeah. I want to get rid yeah. of those things. I also want to use the, the state and the, you know, the apparatus that we have available to tax billionaires out of existence. And then eventually I do kind of view myself like Marx is I think eventually I want the state and the borders to eventually just wither away. I don't like arbitrary governments, arbitrary borders. I, I'm all about a, uh, you know, a, 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 a international society where people are lo- working together and loosely affiliated 
um, you know, maybe federation states, that sort of thing, but not this big, all-powerful federal government. Uh, I actually like the United States much better. It's a little bit more decentralized than certainly like the Soviet Union. I think the Soviet Union was a dungeon, so sometimes I get into arguments with my comrades on the left. I am not a... (laughs) I'm not, at least whatever they call communism, whatever was going on in Russia during the the era of the USSR and the Soviet Union, I do not want to live in that kind of state. Would you? Oh, God, no. I mean, that's the opposite of what I want. So, I mean, I think like, yeah, I I personally think authoritarianism on the right or the left is like really ends up, you know, in the same place. Like it's both really dark and it's just really, you know, evil. It's just, it's like (laughs) one is just extreme fascism, which is just the government taking control of every single part of your life, um, you know, on that, in that respect and working with private companies and corporations to, you know, make it even worse. And then the other side is just like, you know, the government still taking control of every part of your life and without the corporations, it's just them, um, which might even be more scary sometimes, you don't know, because there's no checks, there's no checks on that. So either way, I don't want the government to have that much say in everybody's life. And I want them to step away. Yeah, of course. I do believe in democracy, though, real democracy, a real functioning democracy. Hey, you said you'd give me 20 more minutes. We're already past that. Uh, Yeah, I probably got to go. I got to I saw some of your uh, tweets. Can you can you analyze the Republican primaries right now and maybe make a brief comment on yeah. Trump? Well, is Trump sure. Trump twenty twenty four? Is he going to be the next president? Is he going to be in jail? Who's going to win? And I, I saw some stuff yeah. on Vivek. Uh, I think is that how I say Vivek. his name? Uh, I think he liked him and some of his issues and what he was standing for. I don't really follow any of the Republican stuff, so uh, I'm not a fan yeah, of Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, yeah. Go go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I could break it down. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there was four main candidates. Yeah, sure. Trump in jail too. I want to know. I want to know what you think about Trump and all that kind of stuff going on there. Trump will not be in jail. Um, You know, Trump has some of the best lawyers around, and really, most of the things they're throwing at him are frivolous. So it's really just to kind of slow him down, make him spend a bunch of money on bullshit, make everybody, you know, think he's going to jail. He's going to jail. Don't vote for him. They're just really throwing hail marys. Um, because they know that he has such a uh, strong populist uh, support um, that, you know, I think he's a shoe in I think he's definitely going to win the primary. That's not even like a question to me. Um, I think that when you get to the general, people are not happy with what Biden has done, whether you're on the left, right or center. They know that their pocketbooks have been hit. They know that like, you know poor decisions have been made. They know that when they go to the gas tank, they don't like what they see. And that's how people vote. So people really just vote like with their dollars in in multiple different ways. And when it comes down to it, I think that Trump needs to, you know, after he defeats, you know, everybody who's running, which is Vivek already dropped out and endorsed Trump. So he's out. There's only Nikki Haley and DeSantis. DeSantis is just running to get name recognition for a future runs. Um, Haley is actually a tool of the deep state. Um, she's actually got Democrats voting for her in the primary is where she's getting most of her votes. Conservatives don't even like her. Um, you know, I know this for a fact, and they've shown that, like, it's really Democrats switching parties um, to vote for. It happened, you know, in the Iowa caucus this week. Um, so, yeah, so I think that, you know, when it comes to the general, I think that Trump has a really good chance because of how poorly Biden has done. I think that it could possibly be a Trump landslide unless something changes. But right now, currently, I'm predicting Trump easily wins the primary. Everybody drops out and pretty much backs him. 
Um, and then he gets the general and they're going to try everything. But I think the Supreme Court is going to overrule a lot of things. They're going to overrule um, that they can't have Trump on the ballot. He's going to win his court cases. I don't really see them going anywhere. And even if they do, I mean, he could still run from being in prison. So it doesn't even matter. He's not going to quit. Um, and he has some of the most I mean, loyal support and followers that anybody has ever had, probably ever. I mean, they're going to study this guy, you know, in politics for for. He's a great politician. I do not. Same. He's insane. Uh, But he's an incredible politician. He's a great con man. He can get votes. He can get money. He can do all the dirty work, all the things that uh, politicians need to be good at. He's one of the best. Uh, but I do not uh, support his pol- politics or his campaign. Are you a Trumper? Are you going to be voting for Trump? Do you not vote at all? What's your What's your thought on the elections? Well, I'm a registered libertarian. I'll probably vote for the libertarian candidate, like I typically would. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a Trumper, but I do prefer him to Biden. And if you know, my vote matters like uh, literally nothing. My vote yeah. doesn't matter at all. Basically, right. I'm in Oregon. It goes right. hard blue. Oh, it's yeah. going to be Biden. So. It doesn't really matter who I vote for, to be honest, like at all. Um, I agree. So. <laughs> I'm in a red state. That's the way I look at it, too. Do I want it to waste matter. 15 minutes? You know, why even waste 15 it minutes? It doesn't together? matter. So, like, yeah, in matter. that respect, sometimes I will if there's down ballot things yeah. that I want to vote for. I'll just fill something in. But, like, I know that it doesn't matter. Or sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll be like, fuck it. Like, I'll look at the – because we vote by mail in Oregon, so I'll oh, get the booklet – and I'll just look at the booklet and I'll be like, I don't care about any of this. None of this moves the needle. Like it's all trash. All and then sometimes, yeah. sometimes I won't because I'm like, there's no, there's no real point in some of the, the some of these things. So it really just depends. But yeah, I'm I'm going more and more towards the side of like the vote doesn't really matter that much. Like it just, it just really doesn't. But I, I think Trump wins personally at this point, if it was, everything was held today. You know, if they just got it all done today, I think he wins. But yep. it's it's a long road. I mean, a lot happens in one of these election years. So we got we got a long ways to go here. And Let's I think strap that, in, get your popcorn ready. Yeah, they're gonna throw everything at him. Um, yeah. you know, the legal stuff won't stop, the media won't stop coming at him, they'll probably drop some more bombshells, but it doesn't matter because Trumpers, you know, I'm I'm just like very interested in them because they're so loyal to him. Like he's he's absolutely right that he could do anything he wants and they will still vote for him. Um, and so how do you beat somebody like that? I mean, the only way you could do it is you either cheat or you get lucky or, you know, whatever. They're like there's there's a moment in time. But I think that moment has passed for Biden. I think that everybody knows he's done. He's literally demented. He's not there. Um, how, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's like less embarrassing to have Trump as president than Biden right now. Like no matter what your politics are, at least he's cognizant and he knows like what the hell's going on. And you can try to pretend it's not embarrassing, but it's embarrassing. Like it's like Biden is like, he's not there. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think what's better for everybody will, will be, um, Trump winning because Biden is just like a complete tool. He's just a complete puppet. And people that vote are going to be like, I would rather go back to like whatever I have with Trump. It wasn't that bad. I don't like where we're at now. And I didn't feel like I was doing that bad then, you know, and, and we'll just see. But that's my prediction. All right. I can dig it. Uh, and I totally agree. Biden is a tool of the corporate uh, elites. And I think that his uh, cognitive decline is significant. I don't even know if he knows where he is half the time. But uh, anyways, it should, <laughs> be, uh, it should be entertaining. It's going to be, what, billions and billions and billions of dollars spent to try to control the public mind and to convince uh, to convince us to vote for one of the two bad choices we have available. So <laughs> it's a bit unfortunate, but uh, that's the political system we live in. Let's stay in touch and do it again sometime. What do you say? Yeah.
Sounds great. Right. Yeah, have thanks great for having day. me. All right, okay, thanks. Have a good Bye-bye. one. Bye-bye. Necessary Illusions. I also want to thank my special guest, Heidi Brionis, for a great talk on politics, philosophy, and current events. Shout out to Drowning Dog and Malatesta for the music. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters. I'm out. Like that.